Hello, and welcome to The Commissioner. My name is Randy Sawson. This episode is episode four, Vanessa Carlton, A Thousand Miles. So going back to the beginning, I met Vanessa when she was recording demos for um, her record months before it was released. Um, She was in the studio with Ron Fair. And I went to see a string session he was recording for another artist. Um, and I met her there. But what I remember first and foremost about this video was uh, I had a specific meeting with Vanessa and her manager, Peter Malkin, at the Soho Grand Bar in New York City to discuss specifics about the video. I think I was in New York commissioning a video for Lisa Loeb that Evan Bernard directed. Um, So me, Vanessa, and Peter met in the bar. And um, there were things about this project that might not seem like a big deal, but are actually hard to achieve. Um, Specifically, how to make Vanessa a pop star without compromising her image and integrity. Um, She can write, play, sing. Um, She plays an instrument, but she's not a dancer or someone who is using her sexuality to sell herself. Um, There's nothing wrong with using your sexuality or the ability to be hypersexual as a pop star, but that's just not part of Vanessa's imaging. You know, that was just not going to be something that we were going to be able to uh, showcase or that she wanted to showcase because that's just not who she is. Um, So we discussed the different ideas, but nothing specific was decided at that meeting other than what we wouldn't be doing, which is dance routines and, you know, sexual outfits and, you know, her writhing on a bed or anything like that. So um, I remember um, the song, the, the song, I got the song and I sent it out to a number of directors that I felt would understand the parameters of what we were looking for, you know, trying to make a pop video, but with some an artist that you know is some credit has some credibility. Not that pop stars don't. I, I guess it comes out wrong when you say that, but uh, you know, just it's, it was a very difficult, different type of pop video that we were making. So um, as I started to get back, you know, the pitches and the treatments from directors, I remember reading Mark's idea and immediately loving it uh, because it solved a lot of the issues that I was concerned about with Vanessa, specifically that we needed the video to have movement and energy, but she was just going to be sitting behind a piano and playing. Um, Having her on a flatbed that moved around different scenarios seemed like the perfect solution to our dilemma. Um, In more basic terms, the way we achieved the look of the video was we have um, a big trailer that was attached to a powerful pickup truck, like a massive pickup truck. Uh, This trailer is called a flatbed, and you can fit Six to 10 people, depending on what equipment is on it. So it's a weight thing. Um, and we had, obviously, the piano with Vanessa and a techno crane, which is a crane that has an arm that can extend or contract and move up and down. And it also has a head that holds the camera that allows the camera to move at different angles, turn and, and move around. It's like a 360 head. Um that's how we were able to get all the movement of the camera in such a smooth and seamless way. And 
for me, one of the most difficult and frustrating things about being a commissioner is that while you're in charge of soliciting and guiding a project, um, the ultimate decision is up to the artist. Um, I've had many situations where I thought we had the perfect director with the perfect idea only to have an artist or a group decide on something else. Um, and they were not always wrong and they were not always right. It's just, you know, it's ultimate, not, you know, sometimes I got to make a final decision or the artist would say, what do you think? And they would, you know, let you go. But most of the time the artist kind of wants to do what they want to do. And it is your responsibility to let them make their video. It's their video ultimately, even though you are, you know, doing your job to try and make the best video. Um, I, I don't think I would ever let an artist make a bad video if I could try, you know, unless they were absolutely adamant and wouldn't listen to me. But, you know, they have their idea of what they want. And so you usually go with them. But in this scenario, both Vanessa and Peter, the manager, are on board with Mark's idea. And so we awarded the video to Mark. There was a lot of pressure on this video um, as the song was a top priority at the label after Jimmy Iovine, the head of Interscope Geffen and A&M, heard it and told Ron Fair, who was the president of A&M Records and also produced the song, to make a video immediately, even though it was the only song they recorded for Vanessa's record. Usually... You wait until an album is finished and make a video, but this was a different scenario and added to the pressure to make it great. Um, in my experience, just an aside, um, a lot of the marketing, I use that in quotes, marketing that goes on at, at labels back when I was there is more media buying, which is like placing ads and product purchasing, like stickers, flyers, posters, merch. Um, than it is actually imaging and visuals. And, and I, I say that as a generalization. Obviously, there, that's not always the case. I think it's there for that way for a few reasons. Um, one, a lot of the project managers and marketing people have so many projects that they can't possibly create images and visuals for all of them. And two, it allows them an out if the visuals don't work. Um, they can always blame it on the video commissioner. Um, I, w- well, I would always go to marketing meetings for an artist or a group. And the first thing on the agenda would always be the music video and when it would be delivered. Um, which at first made me think I was really important. Um, but as I did the job over the years, I realized it was just putting more pressure on the video to make or break the act. Either way, this was a unique situation where it was the only song the artist had recorded. So if the video didn't work, it could kill the project. So there was, you know, Above and beyond the normal pressure that's on a commissioner, this was this was a lot of pressure, which well, I don't mind. I just, you know, was looking back, it was, you know, a lot of Rubik's Cube kind of figuring out how to do this right, um, which was a lot of difficult decisions that got made, but we made the right ones. shot the video over two days um i think it was like september uh, august or july or august 2001 um the first day we started out in angeles forest which is a national park north of los angeles 
Um, and then from there went to Newberry Park, which is a suburb of LA. Um, the first shot that we did was on the mountain road with the bikers behind Vanessa. It was first just her and then the bikers kind of rode behind her. Um, and the minute we started rolling the camera and filmed her performance, I knew this idea was going to work. Um, it looked so natural and she came through as authentic. Um, you could see her as the artist that she was without any pretense. Um, and even though we were using a visual gag to create a mood, it didn't really distract from Vanessa or the song. Um, a little aside, the piano that's in the video was customized for the shoot, obviously. Um, Mark had the art department buy an old piano and then kind of clean it up and add the gold ornamentation around it. Um, and the piano worked, as far as, you know, and, and you could play it with the keys, but it was not tuned or really functioning as a piano and the, the, the strings were muted so that it didn't make noise. Um, and then after the shoot, I had the um, production company bring the piano to the label headquarters where it sat in the lobby for Interscope, Geffen A&M for at least a decade. Um, long after I left, I had meetings there and it was still in the um, lobby. Um, the last time I was there in 2018, it was no longer there. So I don't know where it is today, but um, it was there for a long time. It sat there. Um, which must have meant it was a good video. Anyways, um, back to the video. We finished the day um, on the first day where we had shot out in the mountain road in Newberry, um, where we where we start the video. Right, the end of our first day was actually the beginning of the video, where Vanessa comes out of the garage and sits on the the piano, and we pull out, and then at the you know once the sun went down, we go back in. And she gets off and what goes back into the house. Um, so, And we also filmed in, in and around that house area, the bounce house stuff and her on the streets and, you know, kind of the suburb from, from the mountains to the suburb um, for, for the, on day one of the whole video. Um, but like I said, we, so it was a little bit out of sequence. We shot the mountains first and then the, the thing, but it was all part of the beginning of the video. Um, and then we shot the beginning and the ending of the video at the end of our first day. Day two started at the beach with the horses and the slow motion shots. Um, this is also where we filmed the beauty close-up of Vanessa that's placed in the middle of the video. Um, pop videos need close-ups of artists singing to the camera, you know? Um, that's just kind of a standard, you know, thing that you do in pop videos. Um, so we obviously had to do that. Um, and it was important for Vanessa, you know, like this is such a heartfelt song and it's singing to someone. So it's important that you see her saying those words into the camera. Um, so we made sure that we had the shot, but we used it sparingly. We didn't, we didn't overuse that shot, but we did shoot it the second day after we did the horses running by her in slow motion. Um, so, and I thought we used it really well. It was more impactful. So, um, and we, then from downtown, from the beach, we went to downtown LA, uh, where we, you can see we had a full marching band on a bridge, I think it was third street or sixth street bridge. And we drove around the city. Um, and then as the sunset, we made sure to lower the camera so you could see the sky and the skyscrapers and the color of the sky, which really makes a, a nice thing. That's the first time we kind of get low in the videos when the sun's setting, um, and all in all, like, I remember the shoot being really smooth. Um, 
And that is something that doesn't always happen. Um, and it doesn't, it's not indicative either of a good video or a bad video. I've had videos that have been a nightmare and painful and over time and you never, you're not sure how you're going to get it together and the video is great. And videos that went smoothly and amazing and everything perfect and you think it's great and the videos didn't come out so good. But this was one of the ones where the video actually went pretty smooth, uh, actually really smooth and the video came out great. So, um, so yeah, I remember like we did a really good job and we were all very happy and couldn't wait to just see what the footage looked like. Cause back when we made like this video from 18 years ago, I guess, um, we were still shooting on film so you could watch it on a monitor, but you couldn't see it back like you can today. And cause it's digital, you can immediately watch it. And a lot of editors and, and directors I know edit on set now, which is amazing. Um, back in the day you had to take the film and go to tape. And I, I'll explain that in another episode, in another episode of the commissioner, just kind of the whole discussion of what everything is in videos. But for now, just know like we got the, we shot the video and then we had to wait a few days to see the actual footage. I do remember there was an issue with the name of the song. Um, I, I th on the slate of the video, I think Vanessa was really adamant that we put the word interlude in there, like it was a thousand miles interlude. Um, and I think she wanted to call it interlude, but Ron was the head of the label who produced the song was, you know, adamant that it wasn't going to be called interlude. Um, I, you know, it doesn't really matter on a slate cause that's not what it is. Ultimately that was not having nothing to do with us. We we're making a video and whatever they called it, they called it. We were just making a cool video for the artist so I just kind of remember a thing where it was, you know, there was an issue about the name of the song and Vanessa really wanted us to have the word interlude on the slate, um, which we did. It wasn't a problem and, and um, it made her happy, made us happy, made the day go easier. She was in a really good mood. She looked great and performed, you know, amazing both days, giving her full, you know, throated performance she sang live you know even though we didn't record it it was her, you know she sang through it um and as i recall we like i said we wrapped you know on time the edit for the video was also smooth um i remember getting a rough cut a few weeks after the shoot and I immediately went up to Ron Fair's office um, and show, or maybe I called him. I don't know. Whatever it was, I, you know, didn't show anyone but Ron, but he loved it. He was so excited, wanted to show it to Jimmy and everyone. And um, he had some notes on her performance and some cleanup stuff. But overall, he was happy. Vanessa and Peter were happy. They had a few tweaks here and there, but the edit was the edit. And we pretty much had the cut done. Um it was really well received internally at the label. Uh, it was taken to MTV and VH1 with great success. Um, even though it wasn't nominated for a VMA, um, it got heavy airplay on MTV and was a staple on the show um, Total Request Live, which was you know used to be a live thing from Times Square. They would do top ten videos every day. Um, where it played on total TRL is what they it was short. It played on TRL until it was retired. They had like a time limit. So um, it did win an award for the can't get you out of my head video on the VH1 big show in 2002. 
Um, and so that was something, you know. The song was nominated for Grammys, um, which had nothing to do with the video. The video wasn't nominated for a Grammy. Um, it lost out to that Nora Jones song, Don't Know Why. Um, so, you know, sometimes the year hits it where you have a great song and do a thing, and the song that gets it doesn't get the thing. But either way, um, the video still holds. And I've seen some stuff online where people think it's blue screen, but it is not blue screen. I guarantee you we shot everything live. Um it would have been it would have been much harder and not made sense to shoot at blue screen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were able to it wasn't like we spent a ton of money, but we spent enough money to be able to get a good flatbed and shoot it properly. Um, the video itself has almost 250 million views on YouTube, which means people listen to it on YouTube. So that's a good thing. Um, it was included. It was also included on the CD single back in the day. Um, they would sell because like I said, before the record came out, they wanted to sell singles of the song. And so they would have this song, one other song and the CD single. Uh, and I mean, and the video on the CD single, which, you know, for me, was always a, a, a way of, uh, feeling good about yourself in the sense of, you know, you make a video and they put it on the single. It was, you know, a way to help sell the artist. So it must've been good enough for that. Um, and I can guess I take credit for that in like a humble, braggadocious kind of way, you know, where like I was I was helping sell the song, not only on the way we sell it through the video in traditional ways, but on the actual CD single. I only made one more video with Vanessa, and that was Ordinary Day, um, which we made with Mark Klasfeld as well. Um, and I, I, we always got along. Vanessa and I always got along. Anytime I saw her, we were always very cordial. Um, there were some issues with her creatively, uh, after this, after the first record. So the second record, I didn't commission her video. Somebody else at the label did. It wasn't necessarily me personally. It was also timing and busy and what projects we were working on. So, um, but I had nothing but love for Vanessa Carlton. Um, and you know, like I said, when you look back at your career and you see the stuff you did, like this video was one of those ones that there were a lot of issues that had to be dealt with. And I felt like I was able to deal with a lot of the problems pretty easily. And it looks seamless and looks like a no brainer, but it wasn't. Um, and, uh, even though I wouldn't say they were, you know, really risky things by putting her on a flatbed in a, a truck, I think like Mark Klasfeld figured out a really smart way to do this. And we were able to easily jump onto it and make it a great video, launch video for an artist that still holds up today. So there it is, episode four, Vanessa Carlton, Thousand Miles. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share these episodes with your friends. Um, we're growing every day and want as many people to hear this as possible. Also, feel free to leave comments or questions on the website. Um, there's a Patreon page that we have with added features so that you can acquire stuff, um, really cool stuff. Also, behind the scenes photos, merchandise. Um, some exclusive added content. Um, and finally, I will leave you with this thought. 
social media is the only place where you get excited that a stranger is following you. I'm Randy Sawson, and this is The Commissioner. <laughs>